welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, beauty journalist Brittany Stewart, and each episode I sit down with a guest to ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them that they take to a desert island or beauty island that I am sending them off to. This doesn't necessarily mean practical products, but rather the beauty products they've come across throughout their lives that carry significant stories, power or nostalgia for them. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, I'm talking to editor Sarah Tarker. Chances are, if you've picked up a magazine in the last 10 years, you've probably read some of her work. And if, like me, as a teen, you are a regular reader of Girlfriend magazine, then you'll recognise her immediately as the beauty editor and later editor of the iconic Aussie Youth magazine. She later became the beauty director of Marie Claire before making the incredible decision in her 30s to pack up her life and travel the world with her boyfriend indefinitely. This wasn't your traditional backpacking holiday though. The pair became digital nomads, working and travelling around the globe. That was about two and a half years ago. And as I sit down with Sarah today, a few things have changed. That boyfriend is now her fiancé and they're the proud parents of gorgeous three-month-old Yuki. We talked about the lengths she went to to chase her dream job moving from Adelaide to Sydney before she'd finished uni, what she learned packing it all in over a decade later to go from beauty editor to backpacker, the power of teen mags and how the scene has changed, and why a red lip is more than just a statement. It can be a lifeline. One more thing. Reaching out and meeting Sarah was a special moment for me. You see, as a 13-year-old from the UK who just moved to Australia, where the same language was spoken, but everything else was totally foreign, I was one of those teens for which bags like Girlfriend were a saviour. It was a window into what Aussie teens were watching, wearing and talking about. It gave me common ground and it helped me feel like I belonged. And I don't know how many issues I religiously read Sarah's beauty columns in. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Beauty Island, Sarah. I'm so excited to be sitting down and chatting with you. Where did your love of beauty originally come from? I grew up in the country. I'm originally from the Barossa Valley in Adelaide. And I came from a family who weren't at all interested in beauty. And my mum and my older sister were not interested in beauty either. And um, we were a sporting family. We were very much a sporting family. So I, I think it was just something that kind of developed on my own. And probably through magazines like Girlfriend and Dolly, I was always an avid reader. And I think from a, quite an early age, I picked up my first magazine and um, and then I just sort of got interested in, in beauty and I think I've always been a really creative person and I loved the sort of creativity in, in applying makeup. So it sort of was a natural evolution then that I would eventually end up, I guess, in beauty as a beauty writer. And so the first product on your list is one that you kind of remember the first beauty product that you remember owning, which was a CoverGirl concealer stick. <laughs> and you also did mention some eyebrow dye, which I'm going to pick up on. So can you tell me a bit more about those two? Oh my gosh. So, you know, I said that I was reading these magazines from quite a young age. I definitely, definitely was not paying attention enough to the advice that they were giving me. I think I was, I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 and I started to get breakouts for the first time. And I was really obsessed with not showing anybody that I was wearing makeup. I had this whole idea 
that it was like this big dirty secret that you would be wearing makeup and I couldn't go to school showing people that I was wearing makeup. So I, w- I bought a concealer stick and I'm like, this is going to, this is going to save me. You know, it's going to cover up my pimples and everything. And, and as I got more and more pimples, I would cover more and more and I ended up just using the entire concealer stick <laughs> over my entire face. So I was just one big greasy concealer stick mess. I'm sure it didn't even match um, my skin tone at the time. And I, ended up looking exactly the opposite of what I was trying to do which was very obviously wearing a thick layer of greasy concealer stick over my entire face so it wasn't the best experience with a first beauty product but I also teamed it with clear mascara because I thought oh yeah this natural. is natural and very very secretive people won't know I'm wearing makeup and what about the eyebrow dye Oh, look, I, the, the eyebrow dye actually, it wasn't until my 20s that I that I discovered, I should say, the need for eyebrow dye. I, you know, I, you know, most kids get teased about their name or this or that. I got teased when I was growing up because I had no eyebrows because my eyebrows have always been extremely fair. And so I sort of got this reputation as being like Sarah, no eyebrows kind of thing. And I just didn't realize how much of a difference it would make to, you know, actually have some eyebrows. So it wasn't until I was sort of in my 20s and I was beauty editing and I met this gorgeous man, Steve, who runs Brows by Steve up in Sydney. And I went to him and he suddenly gave me brows for the first time. And it absolutely, completely changed my look. Like I I look at photos kind of pre-brow and I think, what was I doing with myself that whole time? Like, and also, how did anyone know when I was surprised or shocked or, you know, or, or anything? Because it made such a difference to framing my face and obviously to my expression and everything. And now, even when I travel, I travel with my own professional brow dye. And Steve showed me sort of how to do it myself so that I could travel for two years and still have eyebrows. In your final few years at school, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do for a career? Yeah, I did. And I always say that I was the exception, not the rule. And when I was editing Girlfriend, this was the question I got asked the most, you know, when work experience students would come in all the time. And I would say to them, you know, you're not supposed to know what you want to do. Like, don't take me as the example, because I've always known that I wanted to be a writer. Like as far back as year seven, I can remember our yearbook back then saying that I was going to be a writer and I just stuck to it. And I think it was the only thing that I've I've ever been really good at. It's the only thing that has ever come really naturally to me as well. Knowing that I wanted to be a writer, I thought I'd, I'd like I'd eventually become an author or something like that. I loved creative writing, but then I thought, oh no, I've got a book got to be sensible I'm going to be a journalist that's a sensible career interesting perspective it was the 90s I will say and did seem very secure and safe at the time so you did end up studying journalism at the University of South Australia how did you go from there to kind of getting a foot in the door in the mags in Sydney yeah I ended up studying journalism but I have to say I started off I actually missed out on getting into journalism and I missed out by half a mark (laughs) And I was devastated. Like I genuinely thought my life was over. I was so disappointed in myself. And mind you, the the cutoff was something ridiculous. It was like the same to get into law as it was to get into journalism. And I I completely beat myself up over it. But I ended up doing a professional writing course instead. It was my second choice and loved it. And then transferred into journalism in my second year of uni and actually hated it. (laughs) 
<laughs> just, I actually really, I, like I ended up sticking at it, but I, I really hated it. And I loved well, my second choice that I ended up doing first much, much more. And I think maybe because I, I was really not enjoying my journalism course, they were teaching us how to write for a newspaper because that's all that Adelaide had. And I was like, no, stuff this, I'm not writing for the newspaper. And so I decided that I was going to write for a magazine and I just started applying for work experience, just cold calling people in, the, in Sydney. And I ended up getting three placements in, in the same month at Cosmo, Clio magazine and B magazine. And crazily now they think about it, they're all actually closed down now. But at the time they were the biggest things in women's lifestyle. And so I packed myself off to Sydney for a month as this little fresh little Adelaide girl. I had never been to Sydney and came over for a month and absolutely fell in love with Mags and with Sydney and just knew that this was what I was going to do. And I kept in contact with the girls that I did work experience with and and I came back the following year and I did more and I know this is such a cliche story. I feel like everybody gets their work, got their start in Mags with the work experience, but Back then, it was really obscure what I'd done. And eventually, one of the girls at Cosmo asked me to come back and be her intern. And Cosmo had never had an intern before. And I moved from Adelaide to Sydney in the second year of my degree for an unpaid internship (laughs) at Cosmopolitan Magazine. And to their credit, my parents were like, okay, cool, off you go, bye. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is what I'm going to do now. And I hadn't finished my degree yet. I worked in a shoe store for six days a week so that I could go to my unpaid internship on the other day and do my course by correspondence, which then took me obviously another three or four years because... I had no motivation and <laughs> and I eventually got a job. It was only six months, maybe less, like three or four months later that the girl on the front desk left her job and they asked me if I wanted it. So yeah, you landed the job at Cosmo. You were there for a number of years. What was it like? Did it live up to obviously this kind of dream job in a dream place that you'd been working so hard to get to? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I was 21 and I was you know, living like a sex and city lifestyle. It was, it was absolutely incredible, especially coming from Adelaide. I mean, I came over to Sydney during Mardi Gras and I was like, what is this? This is amazing. The city is alive. And the whole thing was just, just absolutely blew my tiny brain. And when I started at Cosmo, Mia Friedman was the editor and I was her PA. And there was so many incredible people working there. Bronwyn McCann was the beauty editor and then later Zoe Foster and Dal Stelio and Chrissy Bradley, all these people that have been editors. And I sort of stepped into Cosmo at this really sort of iconic time. You know, Mia had just started doing the body love campaigns and Cosmo was never as big as it was during that time. It was an exciting thing to be a part of and I loved every minute of it. And I still worked in the shoe store because also they gave me 40% discounts. <laughs> I was just like, I looked an absolute mess and I couldn't afford to couldn't afford to eat, but I always had amazing shoes. <laughs> so there's a lesson for everybody. But yeah, it was it was just fantastic and I made some of my absolute best friends at Cosmo during that time. And I think Mia has a real knack for, for seeing talent and I think it's testament to that skill that so many of the people that have worked under her have been editors of magazines for years to come. The second product on your list is a product, we're going to jump back a tiny bit to the product that defined your teens, which I think is a pretty iconic product, Purple Grape Lip Smacker. <laughs> yeah. You don't I see that much <laughs> anymore. I don't know 
what I was thinking. Oh, my, my teens. I mean, I think everyone wants to go back to their 16-year-old self and sort of grab them and kind of be like, seriously, what were you thinking? But I think that this is one of those, another one of those things where I was like, didn't really want to appear like I was wearing makeup. And so this was actually tinted. It was kind of like an original sort of tinted lip balm. It was tinted purple, a shade of purple. And I don't know where I got it from, but I decided that that was going to be my shade. And so I always had it with me and I said, I'll stand it between that. And then this red raspberry one that wasn't tinted that smelled like um, red skins which was great but this one I kind of wore when I was feeling a bit fancy special <laughs> occasions special occasions and came sort of known as as the girl with the purple purple lip balm kind of made me look a little bit ill slightly dead but look it's nice to be remembered for something so after Cosmo you became beauty editor at Girlfriend how did that come about yeah I mean beauty was something like I said even though it kind of felt like a natural progression or place for me to be I was features writing at Cosmo so it wasn't what I was necessarily heading towards I didn't think I was ever going to be a beauty editor or even necessarily have my sights set on being a beauty editor but I've always been really fortunate in working for really incredible women and I was sort of coming to the end of my time at Cosmo and and wondering where I should go next and Sarah Oakes was the editor of Girlfriend at the time she's now the editor of Gourmet Traveller and I just wanted to work for her I just like just decided that she was going to be the next person I wrote for and and she was doing incredible things with Girlfriend and with these amazing campaigns and I just really wanted to be a part of that and essentially I just kept applying for jobs until she gave me one <laughs> and she and eventually the beauty editor role came up and she said Do you want it and I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll be a beauty editor. And if you could have only seen me at the time, I think you would have been like her as a beauty editor. Like I knew absolutely nothing about beauty. Like I had this thing where I only would straighten the front of my hair because I couldn't see the back. So the back didn't matter. So I always had like a messy, kinky back part of my hair. But when I looked front on at the mirror, I looked very, like very well presented and brushed, but I always was a complete hot mess at the back. So I did learn to straighten the back of my hair eventually. <laughs> what were some of the highlights or pinchy moments of that time? What are you most proudest of what you did while you were beauty editor? I think the just working at Girlfriend was just amazing and I loved that brand and I still do. And when I was there, we started to write our own sort of editor's letter pages um, within um, the sections, which is how all the readers sort of got to know me a bit better. And I would tell sort of stories about myself growing up or what I did, you know, like like the concealer stick or the purple lip smacker. And it really gave me a connection to my readers. And even though it kind of, it sounds really like, well, I was writing about makeup, you know, whatever, it's not a big deal. I still get emails to this day. I still get people reaching out to me on Instagram who are like, I remember when you were beauty editor or girlfriend and I was going through a really hard time and I asked you for advice about my sister's acne and you wrote back and, and it meant the world to me. And yes, we're writing about makeup and we're not saving the world and all of that, but we really were helping teenagers and through a really awkward crappy time in their lives and the fact that to this day I still get girls reaching out to me makes me feel like I was doing something that was good and that I was making a difference even 
in that tiny little part of their world and that stuck with them. And I think to be that person, to be that big older sister for for a generation of girls is just pretty magical and it's not a responsibility I ever took lightly. You know, I have a I have a younger sister who is just seventeen, just turned seventeen, and I would always think about her when I was writing my pages and even later when I was editing Girlfriend. I always had her in mind thinking about is this the right thing? Would I want Lily to read this and do this and if the answer was yes then it was it made it into the magazine that's exactly that for so many teenagers girlfriend and dolly was that older sister obviously now dolly's not around and girlfriend is in a very different kind of iteration do you think there's still a place where like where are teenagers going now for that support i don't know and these like it genuinely breaks my heart when i think about teenage magazines now and where they're at because I think about just how pivotal they were for me and how much they shaped my life and how they really gave quite a safe space for teenagers to go to and to rely on and I I kind of am worried about the world without it. Mags like Girlfriend and Dolly helped me feel normal at a time where I felt anything but normal. Just hope that there are some places like that that girls can will be able to find online to give that sort of sense of belonging and that sense of community that we have. What do you think the biggest misconception about being a beauty editor? The the first thing you always get asked is, oh, is it really bitchy? And I think people really want it to be bitchy as well. I think they want this gossipy kind of backstabbing idea of the industry, but Honestly, some of my best friends are the ones I made in beauty and it was just this incredibly supportive bunch of girls who just really loved what they did and we spent more time together than we did in our actual offices and that's why we became such good friends and you know one of my my dear friends was the beauty editor at Dolly when I was at girlfriend Alexis Teasdale yeah we we were working for opposing magazines and we would still hang out all the time and obviously you know we we were writing for similar audiences so there was no kind of like oh no I can't tell you this either because it's essentially people would read the same things in our magazines anyway um, the second thing is beauty editors really love to eat I'm sure you've heard this before <laughs> we are not fashion people and beauty editors get very cranky <laughs> when there's not food around and it's usually the first thing out of our mouths is um when we get somewhere is like do you know if there's gonna be food is there gonna be food served later on today is this a lunch thing is this a lunch thing or is this a stand-up canopy thing i've been known to like absolutely cross the crowd and like dive over people for an orange eating ball and i am definitely definitely not alone there but also beauty editors generally don't wear a lot of makeup it's you know a lot of beauty girls they're they're quite they're very natural they've never the natural look but you know like I was always with a bright pink lip or a winged eyeliner or everything but that generally wasn't the kind of norm like most most of the beauty girls just have a really amazing natural makeup they're not sort of wearing all these kooky hair colors or and we're trying everything obviously but I think day to day it's it's also their job and they're beauty journalists they're not just kind of girls who like to go to parties and and wear lipstick the third product on your list are the products or treatments that you use to treat yourself so you have said that you're partial to a facial when you're treating yourself and there's two that you really love the rationale and sadashi tell me a bit more about those why you like them like who doesn't love a facial it's just the ultimate one hour to yourself and I think just 
to give yourself sort of a little bit of a pep up. Like I think, you know, masking at home is amazing, but you just don't glow like you do after a facial. The rationale, I think, completely changed the face of Australian skincare. I just, my skin has never looked quite as good as it did when I've been on the entire Essential Six. It's um, it's the type of thing that people would be like, oh, what are you doing? And it was always that. And so I was, when I'm really taking care of myself and getting a facial like every couple of months or every month in my dreams, um, walking out with your skin glowing so much and feeling like you can just not wear a scrap of makeup for the rest of your life and feel that amazing is is pretty special. And Sadashi is it's it's more of a natural treatment, but it, it's the ritual in the Sadashi facials that I love, like that kind of because it's all essential oils and natural products and everything. So you really it's a completely different experience, but you just kind of feel it's very self care, like you feel very taken care of and you sort of when you get out of a Sadashi facial you feel like exhaling a bit and uh, and you just kind of float on your way and the other treat you mentioned is a bath soak and I feel like this is interesting because I feel like there are people who love baths and people who just don't get it but you are very much a bath lover I am a hundred percent a bath lover um and tragically for the 15 years that I lived in Sydney I didn't have a bath and so I became this crazy, crazy girl who, whenever I travelled for work, I would get to the hotel and be like, um, does the room have a bath? And um, and it became a running joke when I was on Girlfriend Model Search and we would travel the country that I was that girl who just always needed the bath. And so it became a thing that I would always get that room. And I would just really love and look forward to the time where I could just have a soak. And now that I'm back in Melbourne, I finally have a house with a bath. And I literally, I would take maybe two or three baths a week. I just love it. And all through my pregnancy, I took a lot of baths as well. And um, as I was saying to you earlier, and I ended up actually having a water birth and had my son in the in a bath. So it seemed very fitting <laughs> that you know this obsessive bath person sort of ended up having. Um, you know, her son in a bath. And now Yuki, oh my gosh, he loves a bath. Like every time I put him, every time we, we bath him, he gets this kind of meditative glance <laughs> over and his eyes glaze over and he kind of throws his head back and just goes very still. And I'm like, yeah, right. And he's get, he definitely gets that from me. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. I feel like it's often said that beauty, edi- beauty editors tend to make great editors because you are having that... Um, you are dealing a lot with more the commercial side of things and you went on to become the editor of Girlfriend for a number of years. Do you feel like that helped at all, having that beauty commercial background? I think just having that commercial understanding is is kind of vital to sort of being in being an editor because in magazines like majority of the advertisers were beauty clients so beauty editors are probably the other sort of editing role where you're forward facing you're the one who are going to client meetings all the time you're the one who's going to launches all the time um, a lot of the other roles in magazines are spend a lot more time in the office than you do when you're a beauty editor so you, you definitely get used to being that person where you have to walk into a room where you know absolutely no one and walk up to the CEO of that company and be like, hi, I'm Sarah, I'm from Girlfriend Magazine and sort of promote yourself and speak for the bag. And it's really the only other role um, in in a magazine where you have to do that. So that sort of pre- that sort of preparation I think makes you 
and sort of a good editor. But then at the same time, nothing can really prepare you for being an editor and suddenly having all these people to manage and so many balls in the air. But definitely that side of things made it easier. And what was it like being editor of such an iconic mag? I just absolutely loved it. Like I said, I really, girlfriend really had my heart and I really felt like we were doing really great work there. But I took the role really seriously and I felt like, you know, I was so earnest in everything we did and wanting to make it the best possible experience for teenagers across Australia. My heart just absolutely bled for every single one of them who were going through a shitty time. And, and so I responded to all the emails of all the girls always. <laughs> and I I loved that and every campaign that we did and and even every work experience girl we had through we had two or three work experience girl every week of the year friend and I made sure that every single one of them could speak to any of the staff and they would book in a time or they could speak to me if they wanted to so that we would be available for them and I think like I was just so aware that this was the next generation of our readers but also of the world of Australia and that we had a big responsibility in looking after them and making them feel empowered you know and just really good about themselves because it is it's scary being a teenager and it's shitty a lot of the time it's really shitty like you know the hormones and the pimples and just like even the friendships like girls can be really mean to each other and I think when I left girlfriend one of my proudest moments was actually when a girl contacted me on Instagram and she said I will always remember you as the editor who brought feminism to girlfriend and I was like oh my god my job here is done <laughs> And I was like, that, and that was it, you know, like if I could, you know, and we, we kind of stuck fe- feminism in there a bit. And, but it was so ingrained by the end of my career there that I just felt like we really sort of empowered people. And it wasn't sort of a dirty word for teenage girls to be proud to be feminists anymore. And that just was the perfect end to sort of nine years of working at Girlfriend. So after Girlfriend, you went to Marie Claire, where you were beauty director. What was that transition like? Because obviously that's a very different world too. I started off my magazine career in my 20s, you know, writing for 20-year-olds. And then I regressed to being a teenager for, for 10 years. And then I finally caught up to myself at the other end as a, as a 30-year-old working for Marie Claire. It was, Marie Claire's a beautiful magazine. And in a lot of ways, it was kind of a natural step from girlfriend because you know it it was kind of what I was doing at girlfriend on a on a teenage level like I just really I really loved working for titles that I felt like were really empowering and Marie Claire definitely is that it was really interesting just being back in beauty again and just only having one thing to look after which was the beauty department after looking after so many things for so long and I mean I absolutely loved it because suddenly like I wasn't just writing about you know Maybelline and pimple creams and and that kind of thing suddenly it was like Chanel was part of my world and I was like oh now this is interesting (laughs) and and so that that exposure to sort of the high-end and designer brands was was amazing as well and suddenly writing for anti-aging and that type of thing. I've been so fortunate. Like I've worked for these incredible titles and each has brought me something completely different. And speaking of Maybelline, you didn't manage to leave it completely behind because it has snuck (laughs) into and remained in your makeup bag, which is the product that you always repurchase, Maybelline Falsies Mascara. So why this one? (laughs) I've been a hardcore Maybelline wearer for so many years. You can't take the teen out of the girl, I think. I just absolutely love 
this mascara and I have this thing with beauty where I'm like you should choose the product that they're known for and that they're good at and you know so for example like for the skincare go to a skincare brand it's not rocket science like that's where all their R&D is that's where all their research and where they're putting all their money and their time so go there for good skincare and like Maybelline they're the original mascara people so go there for mascara and I've tried so many I've tried really expensive ones but I always always come back to Maybelline and this one falsies in particular because I'm all about the volume I just want big fat lashes always and yeah and this is just the one that is the most voluminous I guess and I just love it and I think like I was there when it launched I was a beauty editing when it launched and you know I flirt with other mascaras here and there over the years but I always come back to this that's such a great tip like you said so simple but go for what they're known for because it's going to be great so it was while you were at Marie Claire that you made a very big decision which to borrow from headline of an article that you wrote a brilliant article which I will put in the show notes you went from a beauty editor to a backpacker (laughs) with your then boyfriend who became your spoiler became your fiance on this trip what sparked that and was it terrifying absolutely (laughs) I still think back to that and and think oh my god I can't believe I I said yes to that look it was a number of things I'd been living in Sydney for so many years and I'd had this wonderful career and I was very very happy and there was no catalyst there was absolutely no catalyst for for me wanting to go except that I wasn't spending sort of enough time I well I didn't feel like we were spending enough time sort of living in that way. My boyfriend isn't from, I call him my boyfriend, my fiance, my fiance isn't from Sydney and he sort of, he moved up to, to be with me and yeah, and I had this wonderful career and everything, but I was only doing my career. Like I, I didn't, you know, I was just living with a partner and I would only see him for an hour each night and I'd come home at like 8 o'clock and then I'd be on emails and then we'd get these scraps of time on the weekend and we weren't really seeing each other and we weren't. I wasn't really doing anything else that wasn't work. And so like it wasn't like some terrible thing that happened but he just sort of one day was like, I, I want to get out, I want to, let's go travelling and it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it was absolutely terrifying to leave it all behind especially because I'd worked so hard to get where I was was you know um to then turn around and be like okay bye (laughs) I'm done with all that and you know and leaving a dream job is is never easy but I could have continued the way I was and continued not really I guess having a life outside of that and my relationship was definitely suffering and I think just who I was as a person was suffering because I didn't really have time for me you know I took up yoga because I needed something to help me de-stress but it wasn't really when I think back to that now like now I do yoga because I just love it and it makes me feel good but at the time it was just an antidote to like try and make me feel better um, about my stressful life and so we just decided to go traveling permanently and and you know it was about six months in the planning we literally packed up and sold 90% of our belongings. We went from, you know, a two-bedroom house. I had three wardrobes, three, three wardrobes of clothes that I collected over the years. And now all of our worldly belongings fit in essentially one room. And so we just sold and gave away absolutely everything we donated most of it to charity and then we only kept what would fit in um phil's childhood bedroom (laughs) so yeah it's absolutely terrifying but it was so 
liberating. It's been such a learning curve and it's really changed my relationship with things because there's nothing quite like keeping your world on your back to really make you think about whether you need that extra dress or that extra lipstick or whatever it is that you're you're packing because you literally feel the weight of it on your shoulders. So so it really changed the way I thought about buying stuff, changed my concept of, you know, what I thought home was. And then also it was a massive learning curve for my career because suddenly I wasn't, you know, Sarah who worked for Marie Claire or Cosmo or Girlfriend anymore. I was just this girl, Sarah, who was a vagabond. (laughs) And, you know, at, at the age of 35, I was kind of having to rethink who I was and redefine that all over again. And yeah, so it's been quite a massive couple of years. So what was the plan, if any, when you left in terms of time frame or what what you were going to do and then what actually happened? How long were you traveling for? The plan was not really to have one. (laughs) We're not big planners. For two people that did this massive thing, we kind of really didn't plan past the first step. We knew that we were going to work. Like the big difference with this is that it wasn't a holiday and we knew that. We weren't going on a big holiday where we were just going to spend a lot of money for the next year or whatever and then come back completely broke and live with our parents. It was That was just not the idea. The idea was really to just do life differently and to see if we could make it work free of location. And feels in digital marketing and obviously I'm a writer so we have these two skills that you can take absolutely everywhere in the world as long as you have your computer and so we planned first step which was to get to London and the reason it was London is because we were going to buy a car there and it was English speaking so it was just easier and so that's how far we planned and then from there we would we would just go okay let's go to France. Where do you want to go in France? This looks good. And then we'd book an Airbnb and we'd get there. And then maybe a week later, we would decide where we were going next and and sort of do that. We did this for two years. It was almost two years to the day that we came back. We traveled around I don't even know how many countries we ended up getting slower moving every like two or three weeks in the end and we worked from the very first month that we were away we have a little company that we set up that were doing digital marketing and copywriting and we just had clients all over the world and that sort of is how we sort of got started and then I was writing for titles back home as well it wasn't as hard as what it people would think and they think that that's that's the biggest thing is that people were just like when they find out what we did their first thing is are you rich <laughs> and I'm like no I worked <laughs> in magazines for 15 years clearly not it was easier for us to travel permanently and to to do this than it was to live in Sydney to be honest and yeah and it just wasn't that hard as long as we had our freelance client and our cost of living wasn't crazy Airbnbs have wi-fi included and they have all the electricity included and all of that so actually you're not paying for any sort of fixed cost you're just paying for your living and then also we didn't have any friends (laughs) so friends are really expensive (laughs) when it's just the two of you you know you don't mind just having a cheap bottle of wine at home like you don't have to sort of go out for these long lunches or anything I mean it was massive learning curve being a freelancer and I've always worked with the wonderful teams and I find sort of working with people really inspiring it was quite hard I think and still is to sort of go back to working solo but it's pretty amazing that it's also given us this freedom of location and now that we know also that we can do what we do anywhere in the world.
world and it doesn't really matter where we are we're already going where should we go next <laughs> like you said you traveled all over all the all the places that you kind of put on a dream mm. trip around the world you probably visited and your instagram is evidence of that you've got so many great pictures and like you said it wasn't a holiday you've got the instagram which looks like you were living this idyllic life i imagine there were some challenging times as well (laughs) of course one of the challenges was here i am complaining that i never saw my partner and then i saw him all the time (laughs) that's it's all i saw and so we sort of went from that to working together living together being around each other 24 hours a day obviously that's a huge challenge within itself and and, you know and things came up along the way as well but i think you become really resilient and a great problem solver as well and and i think like for my relationship and for who i am as a person as well like it just made us it made us stronger because we worked through a lot of things together and and it also strangely made me worry less because in the big scheme of things I knew that I could get through kind of anything like our our car broke down in the south of France and we were just over the water from Italy and we were on a freeway and we're like oh shit and um, neither of us spoke French and neither of us had a phone that worked and we were just like okay this is the situation and while we were there just sort of quietly panicking and and working out what we should do from here and where we could walk to or whatever we were just sitting there just discussing like how far we could walk etc and a tow truck pulled up I, I kid you not I, like it and tow truck actually just came past us and pulled up in front of us and we're like what the hell? So we kind of muddled through speaking French and thing. And then, you know, we ended up having to be grounded in this um, quirky little town in the south of France, like not the glamorous south of France. Not We weren't in Cannes. And while we waited for our car to be fixed, and that's what I mean, like we, we were just like, wow, like can get through something kind of crazy like that and then come out the other side and go, we worked that out and we were okay. All the trivial stuff seems to not matter as much. And you're like, I used to worry about replying to emails on time or this or that and now I'm just like no no you know we've dealt with bigger stuff and it's okay. Now you have a couple of perfumes on your list of products that you're taking to Beauty Island there are three Hugo by Hugo Boss, CK1 and Coco Mademoiselle can you tell me what's so special about these ones? I'm really terrible at editing down for an editor aren't I? You are not the first don't worry. I'm definitely definitely showing my age with the first two but CK1 was my first grown-up perfume it was you know in the 90s and I must have been 13 or 14 and my parents got it for me for Christmas and you know it was like the first androgynous unisex fragrance and that's really cool back then and it was such a unique iconic fragrance and it was just this it was the smell of my teenage years that and some heavy impulse obviously <laughs> just is so indicative of that time and feeling like a grown-up for the first time and feeling like you know you've sort of entered this new world of of being a woman or whatever because you've got your first fragrance so that's why that's made it on the list Hugo by Hugo Boss that this was my first boyfriend's fragrance <laughs> you know like you read you read the articles about um, scent and how it's the most evocative of all the senses and it's it's 100% true like we know this it's the thing that has most vivid recall and to this day 20 odd years later when somebody walks past me wearing wearing this fragrance I'm like oh and I stop and I look around and I'm like is that him and you know clearly I've moved on from this point but it just takes me back to being this 17 year old 
teenager who's absolutely lovesick. That's the scent for me that just kind of reminds me of that time. I think there's something beautiful about that first love as well. Same thing I loved about being a girlfriend is that when you're a teenager, you're feeling everything for the first time. And so people say, oh, teenagers are so dramatic. But of course they are. Like this is their first experience with all of these feelings. So they love with their whole heart and with everything that they've got in the world, they throw it at it and they feel things so intensely because they haven't been hurt before or whatever. And and that was this first boyfriend for me. And I just remember that all of that feeling that's all tied up into that. None of the heartbreak, <laughs> only the rose colored part. And Coco Mademoiselle was my fragrance for so many years. When I was a beauty editor, you try so many different fragrances and you try it for like a couple months at a time. And then you get like, you get bored of it and you try another and blah, blah, blah. And when Coco Mademoiselle came across my desk, I was like, oh my God, this is my fragrance. And I wore it. I still have it and I still wear it. It's one of the ones I have on rotation. But I think for for a solid, you know, eight or ten years, it's all I wore. And it was the one that people would um, stop me and ask me what I'm wearing or tell me when I got into a, a cab that I smelt good or, or whatever. And, you know, it's a real moment when you find a, a fragrance that really works with your pheromones and, and becomes iconic to you. And that was that fragrance for me. As if the decision to pack everything up and travel for two years wasn't significant enough. You had a few other big events happen during that time. You got engaged. You also announced you're expecting a baby, gorgeous <laughs> baby Yuki, who you welcomed in October. You've moved to Melbourne, where you haven't lived before. How are you feeling about this next chapter? Are you excited? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't do things by halves. Um, look, it's very... I guess my nature to do these sort of big things it was kind of you know it's how I moved from Adelaide it was in this kind of big dramatic like I'm moving and then leaving Sydney in in the same sort of way so it was kind of when I fell pregnant it was kind of like of course this is happening (laughs) of course this is happening in the most dramatic way possible and we actually found out we were pregnant we were in Australia for um, a couple months over Christmas last year and we just booked our flights to Brazil for kind of and the day before I flew out I went to the doctor and got a blood test and we were on the plane and we had to call up for our results and we called up and the doctor had only come in at a specific time so we were literally waiting to take off and we called the doctor and he confirmed that we were pregnant and then we took off and we had 14 hours to really think about um, how our life was going to look for the next year and and then I had you know 14 hours to really think about doing carnival completely sober <laughs> which was a real experience in itself but we we talked about it and we talked about you know whether or not we had to come home and I think we're just so used to kind of adapting um and moving with things that we just decided no we would keep traveling and I guess my point of view was that women have had babies in all over the world <laughs> I wasn't the first one to do this and so as long as I was safe and the baby was safe uh, we keep traveling and, and we did. We, we traveled until I, the airlines wouldn't let me anymore. <laughs> and then we decided to, to come back home to have Yuki and to kind of settle here just for a bit. And when I say just for a bit, it's because we, we're, quite, we're not quite sure what's next for us. And we want to go traveling again. Why not let Yuki experience the world like we are? Because as far as what he needs, Phil and I are his home. And it was so as long as he's with us. And again, that he's safe and he's healthy and he's happy. Why not travel when he's little? And, you know, hopefully he'll have more passport stamps than I did in the first 30 years of my life. That's such a beautiful way to put it, that in terms of what home is, it's 
sometimes it's the people around you. So if he's got you, he's always home wherever you are. (laughs) In the piece that I mentioned before, you did write about, you mentioned your love of things and how that's changed. I imagine condensing your makeup and and skincare was quite a challenge at that time. But in the piece you mentioned about the one thing that you felt like still made you feel like you when you were traveling was a red lip. And so you've got two that you really love, kind of a high-end animal budget friendly option Nas Lana and Rimmel the Kate Moss in number 22 which is a great range love those (laughs) why why do you like these two I've always been somebody who's worn a bright lip even when I say you know back in beauty editing days that everyone was kind of doing the natural thing I was definitely never never doing the natural thing you know I love makeup I love the ritual of putting it on and I love the kind of artistry in it and I'm always trying new things I was I was always the one trying the kooky colors and everything I just think I know it's a cliche but there's just something about a red lip that always just makes you feel completely polished and pulled together even when you're an absolute hot mess like everywhere else in your life like I feel currently but finding a good red lip is really hard it's like finding a foundation shade that really suits you and so it's kind of years and and years in the making I guess the Nars Lana is an orangey red so it's kind of like my day red lipstick it's kind of you know it looks great with denim and a white t-shirt and that type of thing and it's just a really punchy great bright red and yeah I really love the Rimmel number 22 I've worn this for years and years and years it's what I call a true red like I don't feel like it throws um blue or or necessarily orange it's kind of like a really true red but it's much more sort of grown up like it's it's the one that I wear I definitely wear it at night time more and yeah and it's just you know when you're traveling you don't feel very pretty a lot of the time and it's because you know you're wearing the same outfits over and over and over again and while that's liberating to not have to worry what to wear every time you're just like I just I just want to wear something different and I used to look forward to coming home just so that I could wear something that I hadn't worn in you know in a year but there is something really magical and really powerful about then putting on a red lipstick and then feeling like you're completely pulled together and even if your hair's unwashed or or you haven't dyed your eyebrows or for me haven't colored my hair in eight months that just made me always feel like I was somehow way more together than I actually was. You've also recently launched a new baby of a different kind, which is your new site, The Wayward. Can you tell me a bit more about that? So The Wayward is, I launched it with one of my one of my best friends who I actually met at Cosmo, Emma Vigen. She's also an editor and a writer. And we've been friends for, you know, 15 years. And, you know, we're both print girls. We both have, have had these long careers in, in print. And we had been speaking for a really long time about doing something together. And, we've, and it just so happens that I guess now was the right time. We've been talking about it for over six months. <laughs> we're both really interested sort of in the mystical and and also in wellness and also obviously lifestyle and stuff like that. But we really felt like there wasn't a space out there that kind of married all of our interests in one kind of in one space we wanted somewhere for for girls who you know might like to wear uh designer shoes but also carry crystals in their handbags you know like which i feel like is everybody but it was like you had to go to like a woo-woo site to get like astrology and then go to you know higher end site to get your fashion fix so that was one of the drivers is like we're like well we don't compartmentalize these in our lives like we are the people that wear i've got you know a nice a nice expensive handbag but shoved inside my handbag are like four or five different crystals and I do check 
my astrology every day just as much as I check the Nerdapota sale. So we just wanted somewhere where it could be all of those things in one, in one place. And the other thing is that we're really passionate about long form content and about stories and storytelling. And we wanted, uh, like for a long time, I was really disenchanted with a lot of the stuff on the internet because it was just this bite-sized bits of information and it just seemed really empty and like I didn't care about what Kim Kardashian was doing that day and I wanted something with a bit more heart and a bit more meaning and we wanted somewhere where we could tell the stories of really inspiring people who have done their lives a little differently like they might have done something like I did and just kind of go traveling and and change up their life so that they could live a different way they might have changed careers yeah and we just wanted a space where we could do all that such a great idea and I you're exactly right I think there are so many women who you can see the shoes but you can't see the crystals yeah the tucked away in the bag. <laughs> now we're on to the final few products on your list so one of the products that is your holy grail which I think ties into the wellness side of things that you're doing with the wayward is the beauty chef glow powder which I see a lot of beauty editors talking about what do you like what do you love about it why do you use it look I think with with beauty uh, definitely as you get older as well like you start sort of looking inward a bit more and and I think what color it's did with the beauty chef is just absolutely phenomenal and which was sort of well before her time creating a category that no one knew that they needed at the time and it's such an amazing product because it works on your on beauty from the inside literally and as someone who's always had digestive problems and that type of thing you know the gut is so closely linked to your outside health as well and the way your skin looks and all that as and that's and that's how she had that's how Carla started the beauty chef to begin with but I started using glow a couple of years ago and again I think I think the products end up loving them because they're the ones that people stop me and say what are you doing what are you wearing and in this instance it was just glow like my skin was just literally like it just looked really clear my eyes were clear. like everything was just better and that's kind of the magic of glow I love the idea of something working from the inside out and not just kind of slapping on a bit more concealer to cover up something to really working at the root cause of things when you look back at your career and your life so far what does success look like to you? Oh, that's such a big question. <laughs> I think I I had always wanted to be an editor. I've always, I had always wanted to be a writer. And it's that funny thing of like always wanting a dream job and then getting to that point and going, oh, okay, well, what's next? And it's not that I was disappointed when I got there. I absolutely, like I said, I absolutely loved it. But then I got there and I was kind of like, oh, shit, well, what do I do now? <laughs> like, oh, I didn't expect to get there. And now that I'm there, I kind of don't know where to go. And so I think we're always redefining what success means or, or what our dreams are and sort of realigning them and that type of thing. And I think in a lot of ways what I've done the last two years has been harder and I'm more proud of in a lot of ways because we are reshaping our lives and we're reshaping it for the better for us and you know we not only do we have freedom of location we've sort of given ourselves the gift of time and we work really hard but we don't work inside normal nine to five hours we work you know sometimes we we start work at 7 a.m sometimes we start work at 10 a.m we always work at, we like we often work on weekends but then we might have a day off during the week I'm just I'm really proud of the fact that we've able to kind of shape our lives in the way that works best for us and that means for me that means getting time each day to do yoga for example this is I, I, I say this is every day 
I do yoga pre-baby. <laughs> it's clearly not something I've been doing lately. But that was that was part of it, like working out what was important to us and, and putting those things first. And for me, I guess that was that was a form of success. The final product on your list is one of the products that you would trust your life with. And I mentioned to you that it's been quite a popular one, Lanolips. <laughs> Why do you like that one? I'm sorry if I'm being such a cliche. No. They're favourites um, for a reason. Yeah. Lano lips is just the best. I was, I think I was saying to you sort of before we started recording, I feel personally invested in the brand because my era of beauty editors, we were there when Kirsten Pariol launched Lano lips. And so we feel like we've grown up with it and we feel like kind of, I definitely feel a sense of ownership over the brand and, and like undying loyalty to it as well, because we were there from the beginning when it was just one product and Kirsten talking about this lanolin which was really unusual at the time it was like you know this nipple cream product essentially and it comes from sheep and it was like an out there concept in a lot of ways and also just it being one balm but I mean it goes with me everywhere I usually have at least three or four on the go Phil always has one too because it's one of those things like even with traveling it's like you use it for absolutely everything it's you know it's your cuticles it's your lips it's like the ends of your hair it's your eyebrows if they're going mental like it's absolutely everything it's one of those things that you can imagine just always always being around and lasting the lasting forever you know like I can imagine myself being an 80 year old woman still like telling my grandkids I I remember this product and (laughs) this is the one I used to use and them still being really into it I just feel like it's just gonna brand and product will just will be around forever and it won't be just a trend-driven thing and I think that that's what makes it so good. Of all the products that you've spoken about today if you could take just one with you to Beauty Island which (laughs) single product that we've spoken about would you choose to take with? Oh my god, the pressure! If you thought it was hard whistling oh down god. at first, oh my gosh, this I did not expect. We did not talk about this one product. Wow, I think that is so difficult. I really is. Honestly, it, it would probably be my Lana lips because it, I'm just putting my practical pants on here and, and going, I'm a Capricorn. What is the most multi-use product I can use is probably going to be my Lana lips. But what I really, what I would probably sneak in, like you say one, but I would probably <laughs> just like, you know, it would be my contraband. I would just sneak it in would be a red lipstick because you just have to feel good. And, you know, that's just one of those things that... Yeah, like you said, I, you know, I wish I was one of those people that are just like, oh, I feel the best when I wake up first thing in the morning and I have not a scrap of makeup on. I'm just not that person. And, you know, like when I don't wear mascara, my people are like, are you okay? Are you well? Are you sure you're okay? And they like, I just look like, you know, absolutely terrible. My, like my eyes disappear and, you know, I look ill. Even when I went into labor, I, I got eyelash extensions before I went into labor so that I didn't have to worry about mascara, but that my eyes would still look okay. I think that one of the best things about beauty products is that effect that they can have on you and that they can make you feel really good about yourself even when you're feeling really crappy or you're having a down day that's the kind of magic and the power of them 
And for me, you know, like just the difference it can it can make when you put on a bit of lipstick or a bit of mascara or whatever is kind of phenomenal. And like, especially like even in these first few weeks of, I guess, being a mum as well, like, you know, even if I'm around the house some days, I'll just, I'll, I'll still get up and I'll still put on mascara just so I can feel a little bit more myself and a little bit more normal. You've captured the essence of exactly why I love beauty so perfectly <laughs> there, Sarah. Thank you so much. It's been yeah, such a delight to speak to you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beauty Island. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Sarah and do go check out her new site, The Wayward. I love the idea of a place for women who love designer shoes and also have crystals in their bag. And if you're also a girlfriend or Dolly Diehard fan, I'd love to hear your memories of how the mags helped you in your teens. If you aren't subscribed already, please do so wherever you listen to your podcasts and that way you'll be the first to hear all the new episodes as soon as they drop if you'd like to support the podcast you can leave a five-star rating write a review or recommend to someone you think would also like to listen as a small independent podcast all those things really help new beauty lovers find us i'd love to hear your thoughts or questions about anything we've talked about on beauty island today you can find me on instagram at beauty island podcast or visit beautyislandpodcast.com. You'll find all the details on where you can find Sarah and the products that we've spoken about today in the show notes and also on the website with all the past episodes if you feel like delving a little deeper. Thank you, and until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>